This is the Heath in Pursuit podcast with Heath Hollandsby. Each week we'll have a conversation with various folks who are actively engaged in the pursuit of truth. This is a show where anything can be discussed and probably will. A podcast for the seekers, the dreamers, the restless, the hurt and the broken. This is a podcast for you. Welcome to Heath in Pursuit. Hey, James, thank you so much, and welcome to another edition of Heath in Pursuit. I'm Heath Hollinsby, your curator of curiosity for this next uh, amount of time that we share together. I do want to apologize. I know it's been a few minutes since I did a podcast, but things have been crazy. Not necessarily in a bad way, just in a way where I'm appreciating where I am at in life. When there's something that I have time or excitement about podcasting, I'll turn the mic on and see where it goes. And that's how today's conversation happened. So today's guest is Jeremy Downs. He wrote a book um, called Stumbling Toward the Sacred, which as soon as I saw the book cover, I knew that I had to have him on the show because um, our paths seem fairly similar in certain ways. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to hear where he's from and what his story is based off of. And so... um, I think we'll just get into the conversation here because he's already on the line ready to go. So, Jeremy, I just want to say thanks so much for being on Heath in Pursuit today. Thank you, Heath. I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, man, me too. I was really excited. So the way that we hooked up was I got an email uh, from the company that's that's producing this book you wrote called Stumbling Toward the Sacred, An Unexpected Journey to Personally Knowing God. And, um, you know, I get emails like that occasionally and you know people want to guess on but. I, I knew there was something just looking at the title of this book and some of the artwork, and I was like, well, this sounds like this might be in my my passion. And so I took a couple weeks and, and read through the book and was really, really impressed with uh, with your story, with your um, a bit of your wrestle. And so I thought maybe we just start with uh, with you talking, like somebody who's never met you before. We sat, If we sat down next to each other on an airplane and I said, what do you do? And you said, I wrote a book. And I say, about what? How would you answer that question? Well, yeah, good question. First of all, thank you for taking a look at, at my book. And I also enjoyed looking at your, your dissertation, your doctoral dissertation. Thanks, man. And I saw a lot of uh, pretty interesting parallels, coincidentally. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's one reason I was really looking forward to talking to you about it. And, yeah, yeah I guess to describe overall the, the theme of the book um, and, and what happened with me was, uh, you know, grew up in a, somewhat of a typical Christian environment. Uh, you know, I went to church when I was a kid, sure. uh, you know, pretty frequently, uh, often, you know, being pulled and, and clawing, having to go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> as the years went by, uh, you know, on a personal level, I, as, you know, things unfolded, I was an adult, married, kids, you know, all the typical circumstances you see in America. Sure. Uh, the suburbanite, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, you know, I just had a, uh, I just had a yearning for more in my, mm. I like to call it spiritual relationship, but I would describe it more accurately as biblically consistent spiritual relationship where yeah. I would go through the motions and go to church and, and, and do all those things you typically um, are aware of, but I never had a real intimate uh relationship with God. Hmm. And so I was struggling with that. You know, I, overall in my life, I didn't, I I didn't have any issues. I'd done well, um, you know, externally, but I just wanted more. And so, you know, I I had this, I guess you'd call it a a deep, somewhat of a profound yearning in my life. And uh, coincidentally, like two trains, you know, crashing into each other, I, uh, on the side, experimented with Amanita muscaria mushrooms, mm-hmm. which uh, at the time I really thought was a pretty much of a, a mild substance, more of a nootropic <laughs> than something yeah. <laughs> something like a, uh, uh, you know, the hippie <laughs> mushrooms, you'd call them the psilocybin mushrooms. Sure. Um, and when I looked at your dissertation, uh, you know, I looked at a lot of the uh, your research you did. Hmm. And it's interesting because what I, tried it wasn't included there and it's something that isn't often described um i muscaria instead of psilocybin which i've never tried sure. um it has uh ibotenic acid and muscamol muscamol i think i'm pronouncing yeah, that correctly right. or the a- active ingredients yeah and so um 
you know, somewhat of a uh, kind of lesser known, unusual uh, substance that people typically don't experience, you know, experiment with or experience. Sure. And so what happened to me, uh, do you want me to go through kind of the, the story and the experience yeah. that I had that sort of I, kicked the book off? Yeah, I would love uh, that. Because, you know, for those who like familiar Amanita Muscaria, that is the... If you've ever played Mario and Luigi, the little red with white, yes. you know, spotted. I actually have some, uh, somebody gifted me an Amanita Muscaria that is sitting in some uh, Everclear here in my house now as I'm trying to distill it. But even when I was doing my research, I mean, the Amanita, yeah, that seems like a, that's a next level one that, you know, like, uh, I know there's animals and stuff that t- typically like that as well. But I would love to, yeah, get into your story a bit of how you ended up there. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, and, and I same same um, background knowledge, I guess, of the actual substance. So, sure. uh, as you just mentioned, you know, Mario Brothers, uh, <laughs> old Christmas cards, yep. Scandinavian artwork, Alice in Wonderland. You always see that red capped mushroom with the white spots. Um, well, it's so funny because I was even in a, I was even I was in a toy store the other day, and I was like talking to the person running it. I was like, you know, you got these like mushrooms all over your guys is like you know uh baby onesies and stuff because mushrooms are kind of popular decor these days <laughs> yeah. and i was like do you guys know what you're pushing <laughs> they had no yeah. clue it, right no one has any idea yeah. what what it actually is or what it means and so yeah yeah i i was i had all those you know recollections and kind of reference points and and what that was one reason i took it so lightly hmm. um because yeah, i thought it was more i read up on it a little bit and they said oh it's, it isn't you know toxic or poisonous and it it can't have any you know serious side effects so you know long story short i ordered a couple boxes of them i mean i had (laughs) i guess it would be the equivalent i had well over in the book i said i was trying to be accurate and it was well over three ounces of dried cap oh wow so you know i don't know yeah Yeah, and and so i don't know if yeah, what are you gonna say? say dose, right? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you ordered yourself a good time. <laughs> uh, definitely, and and you know, and and I and I purchased them from a couple places. And initially, I didn't intend to consume all of them. I was like, oh, I'll try a few. And like I said, you know, you know, I'll take a few here, a few there. Sure. Sort of as a nootropic, and so I did that. And uh, one day, I I filled a blender up, fired it up, uh, put some uh, health. Uh, shake mix in there yeah doesn't taste the best um <laughs> drank it down and, and nothing happened uh you know my wife was home my kids were there sure. you know I, I, I didn't think there was anything serious so i had one and then i had another wonderful and then <laughs> uh after a couple <laughs> after a couple hours I, I just felt terrible yeah so i decided i decided to go to bed and um what i didn't know that my wife told me after the experience she said that she heard me uh fire up the blender uh, at least one more time and i had absolutely no recollection of that <laughs> so so a lot yeah no knowledge you know i had i completely don't remember that and wow. that when it was all over all said and done i consumed all of them at one time which oh my gosh. um you know people say it isn't lethal but when i did more research on it it is oh, yeah. if you take that much sure you know and and so um, your liver can't process. You're like the Chuck Norris of Amanita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some divine intervention that may have kept me alive. So so, so uh, after you know partaking in that, I I do remember just feeling horrible, hmm. basically kind of blacking out, whatever. So I go to you know fall in bed, which I half remember in the middle of the night. Uh, I was gargling, you know. Oh, wow. um, having trouble breathing uh in bed and then i jumped up and and was saying all types of crazy things and so my wife she had no idea i mean she she just thought what's going on so she called uh you know 911 um because she didn't know what i was going to do she didn't know if i was having health you know issues uh all that was happening my experience what was happening you know with me i guess you'd say psychologically spiritually under the influence yeah. is uh i kind of went through the initially the typical trip you know that you would read about sure where i i had this experience where i was walking through the hallway saw a lot of images and a lot of weird things but 
then I was at this place where I went into a hallway hmm. and I, and I had, there were panels on the sides of the walls and I would look through a panel and I would see things from my childhood. And I looked through another panel and, and I saw, I started seeing places that I wanted to go when I was 10 years old and never visited. Whoa. And I had this feeling, oh, if I, if I jumped through there, I could actually visit that, that place that I never went to. Then I looked through another panel. I saw wow. different things from my life. And, and I think a lot of that was just, a, uh, you know, psychedelic experience. Sure. Um, so going through this hallway, having these things I saw on the wall, kind of like walking through Walmart and canvassing all the big screen TVs, but they were yeah. real. Like I could step through them. Like and then all of a travel. sudden I, yeah, it was yeah. interesting. And so, you know, and, and so then nothing spectacular, just, sure. you know, in, interdimensional or whatever uh, perspective, I guess. So then I started having a severe chest pain, hmm. um, really, really severe chest pain. And um, somehow through it all, I, I was I was really in pain. Hmm. And the, the end of the hallway was really dark. And I, I was having severe pain I was having, you know having trouble I could kind of feel my heartbeat um, and, I, and I realized in the fog of things I'm gonna die and I, I just oh, wow. because of the so much pain I had um, so you know it, it did affect me I think I, because I had so much I had this psychedelic experience then I had a real health uh, experience sure. near death type of situation right and then all of a sudden all of a sudden um, I just shot into outer space, I guess is the best way to describe it, which is pretty wild. And so I vividly saw myself flying up. I saw my house. I saw, you know, trees and the roadway, and I just shot up and uh, literally went into outer space. And I was, you know, very far away. I could see way off in the distance. I don't know how to describe it. I guess I would just call it creation. I was in complete wow. blackness, saw, you know, stars and like solar systems far, far away. Um, and then I felt this pain. And then all of a sudden, uh, I, I knew I was going to die. Wow. And, and so, you know, what occurred next was I was suddenly completely sober, uh, completely awake. Hmm. And I was standing there uh, and there was a white table in front of me and this big white, it, I guess you'd describe it as a, it was a, like a worn stone, almost like a white marble table, something yeah. inscribed in the front of it that I couldn't read. Huh. And there was blackness and, and God was behind there. And, and the message hmm. was, um, you, you know, don't, you're, you took life for granted to an extent. Mm. And this is a, this is creation. This is all that I created, and I at that point understood how insignificant we are. You know, we're like a little piece of lint on someone's shirt. You know, compared yeah. to everything that exists. Yeah. And so, uh, so I had this experience where I thought I was going to die, and I was terrified. I was in extreme pain. Um, and meanwhile, uh, this is what's pretty wild back on earth i guess you'd say i walked down the steps my wife on the phone with the police and called called my uh my dad and said hey can you come over he's he's in town not far from my house he said hey can you come over and help me because i don't know what is going on and my dad is pretty shocked at you know (laughs) so he comes over to help and so so um i walk down the steps and i start speaking fluently in french yeah, uh, when my yeah when I got to the, and I I sucked you know I was a terrible student uh, in French class in junior high, yeah. and so I do not speak French at all. So I came down, I started speaking fluently in French, and my wife. And all this was told to me later by my wife. Okay, I had a different posture, um, different gait, totally di- different demeanors, completely coordinated, but it was like a different person walking through the house, like. Everything about me, the way I carried myself, the way I looked, I was speaking fluently in French, and then I switched and started speaking fluently in an African dialect that she didn't quite understand. Was like, oh my gosh, um, 
Yeah, real really crazy stuff. So <laughs> so that I didn't know anything about that. She told me later, uh-huh. and so I was speaking in these these uh, different dialects, and then um, uh, in the meantime, I'm in a different place, and then uh, you know afterward, I, I there's no explanation for that yeah. other than my spirit was somewhere and something else was controlling my body. I mean, that's the only thing I could come up Mm. with um, because I don't have any knowledge of, you know, I'm not proficient or fluent in these other languages. So so, so that's really wild. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So speaking to these languages. So long story short, um, I thought I was going to die and I'm screaming out loud. Yeah. um, You know, begging to, you know, to survive Hmm. and it it was pretty fascinating too because even you you know you go to church and it's almost like i guess i guess i would use a metaphor it's similar i would think to you know think of think of an athlete who trains Mm -hmm. and then you know you get into the super bowl or or you get into the big event and and you think you know uh what you're doing you think you know your skill level you think you know what you to rely upon and now you're in the big show Yep. And and I'm sitting there, I have to make a choice. This is really God. I'm really dying. What do I really believe in? Hmm. And and you know, I know there are other people who believe in other gods and other other belief systems. And I'm really gonna die here. What do I say? Yeah. It's a fair so, question. So um <laughs> yeah, so no matter <laughs> what you say now when yeah. it actually happens, or you know, what do you really rely upon? Do you really have what it takes? to uh survive this you know so 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 i started yelling out uh i love you jesus because i didn't know and i was like that's that's my play that's what i believe so my belief system what i believe in so you know i gave everything i had i don't know how to explain it i would say like every cell in my body was was dedicated to that belief at Mm. that moment in time and then somehow um through, I guess you'd call it the, uh, probably well said, well phrased, the grace of God, hmm. I uh, came back. And so, um, you know, it's hard to explain yeah. a lot of the experience, but I, but I would say, you know, when I, I was coming back almost through like a, I don't know if you call it like a wormhole or something, but sure. I could see other, other dimensions, like other places, other realities. Um, I, and mm. ever since I've been able to understand multi-dimension, multi-dimensional theories and, sure. you know, um, pictures better from yeah. this, but to say the least. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm seeing these different things and I'm coming, I'm kind of like warping back. I come back to planet earth, hit my body and com- been completely obliterated by mushroom intoxication as soon as I came back. Oh, wow. Uh, and so I was not at all. I mean, I was had complete clarity, and then I came back and and was you know yeah you know <laughs> totally and you know under the influence. So, oh my so, gosh! So that, that, that's that's pretty much the. And there's a lot more detail that it's pretty like sure. you know it's fun to read. You know, looking back, you're just happy everything worked out and, and uh so i that's what the book starts with was the experience yeah. um but that really was not the point of the book at all um be, because what it just it kicked off the reality for me personally mm-hmm. so um when i came back i had to go to jail uh i didn't do anything illegal i told the police officer sure. um, i said i didn't do anything wrong and you, you know i told him where the mushroom bags were and the wrappers that were remaining because everything was uh, gone and consumed. Right. And and I said, but Jesus saved me, you know, and then. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, we've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, what really happened, they, they brought me in and, uh, you know, I had to go into the jail overnight to basically sober up, you know, it was mm-hmm. like a, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Andy Griffith show and they had, oh, yeah. the, they had, the, the, I forget his name. I knew, I should, I should look it up, but they had the guy who would get drunk and he would just walk in and close himself for, in for the night. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I'll see myself so, out almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was me. That was oh, me. So 
they take me to the hospital on the way, make sure there's nothing illegal, and then they give you something called a fresh start. So they give you an IV, clean you out. Oh, sure. And then when I went when I went to the uh, jail, I, I made a couple references to what happened, hmm. and I could tell the the guard there. You know, they're looking at me like, all right, something might yeah. be off here. So they kept me, and then uh, the other guys. I was in a cell with some other guys who were drunk that night. And for some reason, the next day, I'm the last guy. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I didn't do anything illegally. Yeah. I was in my house. I, I don't understand. So they brought a psychologist in. Huh. And they that was why I was waiting. And they gave me a full evaluation. Um, and it's a funny thing I guess seen in the book. They put me in this little room. I'm almost holding hands with this guy. He's like, you know, two feet in front of me. Right tax dollars at work they could only you know use a, co- a, a, a closet to evaluate you just you to stay there for the rest of your life so i i said so, so i i talked with the psychologist and the door closes and he looks at me and he, he gave me like he had big eyes his eyes were kind of he was con- focused on me and he had, his eyes were kind of bulging out and he's looking at me and he started doing this survey this questionnaire and then he said oh you know he looks at me and says okay He's like, listen, man, you shouldn't be in here. I know exactly what you did. Oh, and so, yeah. <laughs> oh really? That's good. Yeah. That's good because I don't want to be misdiagnosed. <laughs> so he, he apparently uh, he had studied Amanita muscaria mushrooms in college. Okay. The psychologist who's evaluating me. Oh, and my he, gosh. And he told me, yeah, so he, so he said, listen, he, how much did you take? And he said, there's no way. You know, there's no way you could have consumed that many. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm telling the truth. And he said, there is a way. dead, man. He said, yeah, there's a dance of Blender and a really good health shake. So he said, <laughs> so, so he said uh, yeah, you, you shouldn't be here. You know, that's insane. And he said, by the way, do you know the history of these? And I said, no, I, I thought I did some research. and didn't think it was this serious. Mm. And <laughs> so he says, uh, so he said to me, um, well, when I did research in school, we learned that the, you know, the, the purpose of this substance traditionally that was used by shaman and ancient cultures was only for the extreme hard cases, hmm. uh, whereas, you know, the, the subject, the patient would come in and they would bring them to the edge of death to learn more about their life and, and, and get a real understanding of the significance of life and bring them back. Hmm. And he said, but if you take too much, you know, I read it, it can, it's serious. So uh, all that happened. And then, you know, long story short, as soon as I got home the next day, I um, wrote down everything I didn't want to forget. Yeah. And then is really the, the, I guess the point of that uh, whole tale and experience was, was something that I think is very correlated to the Bible, which is, and mm-hmm. I, I was just a hard case. I guess I'm stubborn. I had to learn this the hard way, <laughs> which is re- really understanding creation yeah. and, and a true fear of God, which doesn't mean be scared of God and run away from him. But understand your place within creation yeah. and understand the significance of God. And that's your starting point. Yep. Um, and, and I think just because I have to learn the hard way, mm-hmm. I had to learn it through nearly dying and consuming yeah. what I consumed. But the interesting thing is the, the book, that's just sort of the, the starting point. Yeah. The book is based upon what happened to me the following week, which is the next day and for several days, I um, started just hearing a voice Hmm. that told me uh, everything I got wrong and gave me a lot of feedback on my life. So as far as just regular feedback, like, you know, when communication issues I had, uh, attitude, thought processes, all these different things. And, and I just was hearing this voice talk to me. And then uh, there was this reality, this understanding of basic biblical principles that I just never got. Hmm. And it, it, it equated to a lifetime of 
casually understanding and casually, casually going to church and hearing things like love your neighbor, you know, a lot of basic sure. concepts and then some, some more sophisticated ones that were explained to me over the next week. Mm. And so, uh, all of that was, uh, you know, what I used, all that experience was what the book was really derived from was the, the following week. Sure. Um, and all those things that I learned and, and, you know, when it all happened, I didn't know, uh, oh, and one thing I would like to mention too is that, you know, when, when all this occurred, I, I, I wanted to do something to share it with others, you know, right. and, and I, I thought, Hey, you know, should I start, what, what do I do with this? Do I stand on the street corner and, <laughs> and start, you know, shaking a Bible at people? Yeah, like sure. you know, I had to do something. Right. Yeah, the evangelist so I, I phase, to, they call it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so I thought, what do I do with this? And so I had this, you know, uh, profound, emphatic uh, feeling and motivation that I had to do something. I started talking to everyone I knew. Hey, yeah. listen to what happened to me. Has this ever happened to you? Uh, remarkably, a lot of other people started telling me personal experience they had with and without sure. any type of substances. So, yeah. I it was I was shocked, and then uh, you know that's what led me to understand I should write this in a book, mm-hmm. um, which ended up sort of being my testimony, I guess you'd say. Sure. But it it, it lays out the process from being lost, and I, and I think you know whether you're suicidal or you're just in church trying to find the real God or you're trying yeah. to but break through legalism and find something real all the way to having a personal relationship with God and, you know, and, and essentially glorifying God with your life in a spiritual way. Sure. So that's what I did. And then at the end, I, you know, I thought I wrote this book based on my experience and, and, and biblically things I understood. Sure. Um, you know, I wanted to be responsible. So I actually had uh, a pastor theologian I'm friends with, read the book. I actually paid him. I said, Hey, like I'm paying, <laughs> uh, you know, editors and all these people. So do, you know, just treat this like a job. Look yeah. through this book and tell me, tell me if this is like, like, uh, you know, Satan or God, like, you know, <laughs> I wrote this book. I thought this is solid stuff. So he read it and said, no, I, he said, this is a fascinating book. And, and I don't, I don't think you deviated from biblical principles, mm. but, but it, it is very different than, most quote unquote religious people see a lot of these concepts and what they believe in and, and how sure. they interpret these things. And, you know, the, the point too is um, I think the book describes some facts, which are that, you know, God is approachable and you can know him. Mm-hmm. Um, just don't do it the way I did. probably. <laughs> yeah. And I almost wonder too, like my experience with hallucinogenics was, Somebody was asking me the other day, like, okay, so the, so like, how did it change your view of God? And I'm going to ask you that same question, so I'll tee you up there. But for me, what I was thinking was, you know, it made the, the God that I was on staff at a church describing, this evangelical American Christian God, it didn't make him less amazing. It just made him a lot smaller. It's like hallucinogenics for me really was like, Okay, yeah, that God is one blade of grass, and now you have a whole park full of billions of blades of grasses, and all those are withheld under the umbrella of what I now see God as, as something bigger and huger than the one that I was being paid to talk about. Does that make sense? Like, like my God is yeah. now so much more... like. The American Christian God is 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 a facet of it, but my concept when I just when I talk about God these days is just a thousand billion times bigger than that one God who I used to give my everything for. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, and I had a uh, somewhat similar, I guess, perception afterwards, which was, uh, you know, first of all, I, I knew God was real. Mm-hmm. Um, what you know, which I I already knew. Yeah, but now I really, really saw it, you know, sure. uh, experienced it, and then I, I, so I sort of conceptualized it as, you know, I think the Bible points 
to the, the true, the real God. And it is mm-hmm. a, a guidebook there, you know, and it does give you facts and the things that are here to help you to know yeah. God, you know, and I, and I, and I try to, uh, you know, base everything upon that guidebook. Sure. But uh, he does, but God didn't put everything in the Bible. He put yeah. that there. I think. I think for us as as a tool for us to use sure. to know Him and to ask questions and and to to look at that to you know refer to that. Yeah. Um. But there's so there is so much more out there. And then and then you know the question is uh, I, people get confused. I in my opinion because I think sometimes people say, okay, well. I want to go and, and explore, you know, like, I like, Oh, there's so much out there. Like, let's, yeah, you know, yeah. let's look at this, let's experiment with that. But, but I think the point I believe in, and I tried to put this in the book is you don't need to, in my opinion, get confused hmm. by that. You don't have to do it on your own. The point is to know God, to have a, a personal relationship with God. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, you know, that, and, and, you know, when you're a Christian, it's a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, who sure. who said you can know God personally, mm-hmm. and no matter where you are, um, you know, people use the word sin in, in church, mm-hmm. and you think it's the naughty list, but all yeah. sin means is that what separates you from God, and so, and you know, I I think that's the focus is to to find God personally have a personal relationship with God and know him. Mm. And that is your open, you know, that's your doorway to all those things, to anything and everything, you know? You know, it's interesting. I never thought of this and this is kind of a bogus thought. uh, But like if sin is the thing that separates us from God, which I do agree, um, at least that's what what I've been told my whole life. Then I almost wonder if like, (laughs) if it is, if part of, of sin nature is not being uh, curious or open to experiences like this, because for you and for me, we both found God by breaking the very things that were comfortable to us by pushing a boundary. And so, you know, I just wonder if it's kind of limiting to go like, no, God needs to be in this box and he has to look this way. Well, maybe that's actually a component of sin that we just don't check ourselves on enough. Like maybe, does that make sense? Like, yeah, maybe you need to be open to experiences and whatever kind of pops up. Like if it gives you a better view of God, then pursue it. Yeah, I, I, no, I do agree. As, as long you know, if, if they're good, and yeah. I think that I think that one of the problems we have, and and it, you know, Western Christianity, is that we look through everything with this lens that has been created by us. Yeah, exactly. And so. Uh, yeah, and you know when I and when I wrote the book, I knew I wrote it, and I and I knew the whole time a lot of Christians are going to be mad at this book. Yep. However, however, I want it to be as biblically consistent as possible yep. because that's what I want to do, not for the sake of argument, because it, I felt it should be. And everything that I saw, learned, and felt was, you know, kind of yeah. test those thoughts, look it up, and say, yeah, it does make sense. But I, I think you're right. Um, I had it. I had some. A couple jokes in the book, you know, about a lot of people trying to be quote unquote religious, and mm. you know they're they're like praying, they go to the they go shopping and they're you know they use religious language sure. and they're praying for a good a good parking spot and they're you know doing all these funny um, I guess like rituals and 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 habits and practices and and you can't do this you can't do that yeah. but and none of those things are in the Bible like the Bible doesn't say you you can't drink alcohol says so you can't get drunk yeah but exactly a lot of church you know a lot of churches they'll they'll tell their faculty if you work here you're not allowed to buy a six pack of beer yeah exactly you, know? like, and you that, guys and are putting rules where, the, where god didn't even put rules <laughs> yeah. right right <laughs> and, and so and so one thing that became apparent to me and i tried to put this in the book and like i said i was i was searching and i tried churches and things like that sure. for my whole life um you know, one of the things that became apparent to me was that the church is there to, for, I wouldn't say the sole purpose, but the major purpose of the church is to lead people to God. So the, and not right. through the church, but to have a personal relationship with God to help, mm-hmm. to help them have that experience. It is, it is not to criticize or, 
yeah. put rules into place and all these crazy things that I actually, you know, if, if you're searching, and I, and I mentioned this to you, I read a little bit about this in the book, but if you're searching for God and you're in our Western culture, you know, you, you go to the shopping mall and you go to the store for clothing, you go to the 7-Eleven yeah. to get something to eat, and you go to the church to find God, right? So yeah. if, if you stop into the church to find God, I don't think uh, they most often send you in the right, point in the right direction. I think it's more of a, a rotary club yep. or a habit or a practice or something that makes you feel good and something that's social. But yeah. it's really supposed to be there to guide you to, to find God. And that was one of the problems I had. And yeah, it almost feels more limiting, I, right? I learned. Yeah, like, right. you can only find God if you don't do this and you do this, and then you show up here on Wednesday nights, and then we've got Saturday morning, right. we got a, a men's breakfast, and you're like... Is this what we're doing to find God, or is this just a bunch of lonely people that are trying to find ways to be social and maybe use God as the excuse to get together? Exactly. And if you don't wear a tie or you don't yeah. have a blazer on, you know, some churches look at you, you know, with the uh, hairy eyeball, like, well, what's <laughs> yeah. this guy doing here? Yeah, God's know? not going to hear your and prayers through that baseball cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and what they should be doing is just, if you come in to a church, and you look like crap, and you're in a, you had just had an all night bender, <laughs> and you know you look terrible. That those are the people you're supposed to hug and say, "Come on in, you know we want to yeah, help right. you find your way, absolutely we help you find God." Where and, did, and and that just yeah seems lost. So where did you? I'm kind of curious. Um, so you come back from jail, and <laughs> yeah. I mean good. I don't know you very well, but I'm I'm pretty certain. Uh, that your spouse was not like, welcome home, babe. What do you want to do for dinner? I'm sure there was some, we're going to talk. <laughs> yeah. And the kids, we got a babysitter and, and you know, we're going to have some hard conversations, right? Or am I wrong there? No, that's such a good question. So um, I have I have a remarkable wife, you know, so I'm, yeah. I'm a luck, very lucky person. So she, it was like no big deal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, she knew what happened. She knew my motivation, and yeah. uh, she, you know, she she's from a, um, a so her her uh, family and more like you know Eastern European, sure. um, pretty straightforward, factual type people. You know, um, you know, just just, just their personalities and everything. And she isn't the emotional. Um, upset type. Now, she had a conservative background, never did drugs, anything like that. Sure. But it wasn't an issue. She said, look, I got what happened, you know, oh. and I said, I'm going to write this down so I don't forget. And then uh, that was it. I, I It wasn't it wasn't an issue. But she did oh. say, never do that again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, unless we're so in France and out. I need to translate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. lost in the jungle of Africa. <laughs> Start speaking some language. How did? Yeah, how so, did? Um, yeah. I'm kind of curious. Like when you were in the middle of this experience, what did you feel? Did you feel safe at all times, or did you feel seen? Did you feel cared for? Did you feel loved by this God? Did you feel uh, terrified? Like what were you? Or was there not even a space to to kind of process emotions? No, it was interesting. Um, I yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I I think overall, you know, it started off as you're in this other place and you're you're tripping, you know, like yeah. you're doing the psychedelic stuff. Um, I think I would say, I mean, I was terrified, mm. but I really felt like I was in another place, almost like another dimension, you know, and I sure. didn't belong there. I mean, we we could probably say heaven and hell are dimensions right yeah absolutely um different places so um i it was more terrifying because where i was and what i was seeing sure and there was more of a wake-up call Hmm. and although it would seem as as something negative and and scary i guess you'd say but um you know overall the understanding was this is this is the real reality. Hmm. You know, you, you're just this little peon human being. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're nothing. You know what I mean? Yep. And and then the reality situation was to be brought back. 
once you really understand the, you can conceptualize, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess creation and concept and context. So you can conceptualize what it is, look at is what you are, yeah. who you are. You, you have an appreciation for God because you just say that, and that's the fear of God in the Bible. Once you have that awe and you understand, you, you know, the facts, you're, you're just glad that he somehow, for some weird reason, has mercy on us, lets yeah. us, you know, loves us, lets us live, doesn't just throw the planet away and say, ah, oh, you guys, yeah. you guys have made so many mistakes, forget you guys. So, yeah. you, you you know, you're humbled, and, and I, was, I was just humbled and, and completely appreciative yeah. of who God really was. Well, it sounds uh, but it like... was serious and not lovey-dovey. You know, I didn't see Heaven's Gate. I think I went back before going anywhere else, wherever that would be. Hmm. It feels like, you know, like uh, something that's pretty common in hallucinogenic culture is this this concept of, like, ego death, if you're familiar with that. Um, yeah. And, and it sounds yeah. like that is almost exactly what you're describing. And I'm kind of curious um, how his, you know, you can experience your faith through a somebody who's cultured and their ego just kind of runs rampant and my experience in hallucinogenics is uh, is a bit of that ego death is is correctly like what you're saying correctly realizing our place in all of this that we are incredibly small but incredibly seen and loved and known um i'm just kind of curious at how that ego death side of things uh, has affected you post this experience yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I, you know, the, the experience for me was, and, and I have heard um, similar accounts, you know, on a personal internal level, you know, sure. as far as, you know, self-realization. Um, the experience for me was more just understanding things as they are. Hmm. So I guess as a, as a consequence of that, you have to be humbled and, and you have to have ego death because, once you understand the reality of, of your existence in the situation, yeah. then you wake up and say, Oh, okay, I, I get it. You know? And then, and then you can't therefore uh, move forward and become egotistical sure. or, you know what I mean? It is self-serving because you, you see who and what you really are and, yeah. and you, you become appreciative you know? Yeah. Um, so, I, so I think the ego death is definitely a side effect of reality once you can conceptualize that. And, and I think mm. that's why the Bible starts with a story of creation. Yeah. And, you know, people like me just are too stubborn to actually internalize that story. Yeah. Uh, you have to get a real experience to say, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's an interesting point too, is like we, we tend to approach the text as uh, something that has been part of my kind of faith journey is taking scripture now and just seeing it not so much about like a law book or a penal code that we have to get right, but as a text that's kind of playful and illuminate. It's almost like a map that's meant to be searched and discovered. And um, and when you read it like a like a judge, it's very different than reading it as kind of this mysterious spot. And so I'm kind of curious if if you have you had a hard time adjusting to faith stuff within an American like evangelical construct since this, or is it like, no, yeah, just, just jump right back in church and people kind of think that story was a little strange, but I'm back on normal terms. Or is it like, no, there's, it's really kind of shattered what I, what I pre and post this experience. Is it totally different? I definitely, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, so I would say, I think because I could see there was so much lacking right. in our church and religious experience, uh, that's where I already was. I mean, that, that was what was motivating me to, to search for more. Sure. Um, I just, I just couldn't find it. And then, and then when I, yeah. So then afterward, I definitely do have a different perspective and, I mean, what I usually see is no, you know, no church is perfect, of course, sure. but when, when I, uh, you know, sort of look at a church now, evaluate a church, I guess you say on a personal level, 
I, I look around and you can see it in the people. You can mm. you can experience it when you visit. Are they are they seeking God or are they just there? You know, because of some practice or something yeah. that, that helps them or they benefit from personally. And um and and you know when it when it is a God seeking church, I guess you'd say everyone is trying to help everyone else. You know, they're trying to support each other. And and you you can you'll see that and experience that, um, and it's all you know based upon real uh, you know biblical principles. They're sure. making stuff up. They're just trying to guide you in the right direction and help you so that you can know God on a personal level. I uh, did. I found a really good church. I, there's a, a small church in my area that I go to, and, yeah. and the, they are that way. I mean, there aren't any hangups. Um, generally speaking, and they're just there to, to serve God. And, and you can tell that all these people pray and, and have, you know, positive spiritual, spiritual relationships. Yeah. yeah. And it isn't, you know, the other stuff you always see where it just seems like that's missing, you know, and it's, it's yeah. definitely rare. I think, I think there's few and far between, um, sure. but when you find that place, it's great. And then, and, you know, then when you're there, you realize, you want to you want to help others too. You want to be part of that, I guess, mission of service, and yeah. you know, do what God wants you to do, and that's like an opportunity for you, rather than trying to get something out of the church that helps you personally. So, you know, something else I'm kind of curious about is like, for me, once I saw, it was really hard to unsee. Like once you you know, like you're talking about like wormholes and secondary dimensions and stuff like that. And I love that because I'm like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like if you smoke cannabis, like you'll describe things that sound bizarre to somebody who's never done it. But if you've ever smoked, you're like, oh yeah, I know exactly what they're talking about. And it's not that bizarre. It's just, it's weird to put words to. And so I'm kind of curious about like, how has your faith been changed post this in a way of like, yeah, home's not home anymore. Or these words don't mean this much anyway. Like, has it has it allowed your faith to kind of morph, or is it like level two Like, did you level up, or did it was it more of like, nope, I've got some constructs now that I'm aware of that I need to kind of tear down and figure out how to rebuild it, or what's that kind of like for you? But, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it, the first, uh, I guess concept that is the way I felt initially was, Oh, this all makes sense now. Mm. You know, so, so it all came together and then it was literally explained to me, which was, you know, which was something that I was just lucky to benefit from. But, but, you know, it it was real, made sense for the first time, like truly made sense. Um, And, and then, yeah, that, that is an excellent, perspective it's hard to explain i guess i would describe it as you realize that all this really doesn't quote unquote matter so although it does matter mm-hmm. um you know there's more yeah and then and then you look at life differently because you look at uh you know you, it, you look at it for what it is you know it's a temporary situation there's more beyond this and then, you know, that'll influence and impact your decisions and your actions and, and how you live your life. And, and I've had other people who had experiences who told me the same thing. So like, you know, they, they told me, you know, I'll never, I'll never do something, uh, I'll never, you know, hurt someone else to do something negative to another person. Sure. Um, they just totally changed after, after a similar experience. Yeah. So and then mine was I guess you know there was there was a psychedelic piece and then there was also this near death yeah. spiritual uh, experience. So I, I had two things going on, so it was a little more complicated. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was it was <laughs> it was it was what I it was multifaceted for sure. But it was what I needed, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, this was this is what I needed on a personal level up until the point of all these things happening. That's why I call it. That's why I describe it as two train wrecks. You know, yeah. well, one train wreck with two trains. <laughs> but yeah but it was definitely revelatory and you see things uh in a different way and then i i mean i saw all the misconceptions that people have mm-hmm. about like we were just talking about like temptation yeah. um sin idols 
fearing God, what am I supposed to do with my life? And and so all those things, you know, I tried to put into the book to yeah. kind of go from A to Z because I went from step A to Z and I tried to, to put it in there and uh, yeah. it, it was interesting. Well, and that's what I appreciate about the book a lot is that you start off with a story, but by the end you are talking about What's it look like to wander? What's it like to pursue God? What is sin? What is idolatry? What is gold digging? Like, you know, you get yeah. into, you get into yeah. a lot of these things, and I'm kind of curious. Like, was the impulse of writing this book to go? I just want to document my story, or was it? No, I feel like I've got some new revelation that I want to share with people. Because writing, you know, I've written a few books, and they're not. It's not ever an easy undertaking everybody you know if you're going to write you have to have some passion that sustains you to get through the finish line um and so i'm kind of curious like what you're you're releasing a book like this what are your hopes for people how do, how do you hope it serves them or what do you hope it does for for people like so that your efforts aren't wasted yeah well i felt like this i mean i knew my own personal situation but but i've you know through life when i was younger i mean i was around a lot of different people i mean i was around people who didn't want to live i was around sure. a lot of people who you know dealt drugs and violent violent upbringings um you know a lot of rough situations and the you know i felt like after this this occurred i had this information sure i i had to share it and i didn't want to stand on the street corner and wave a Bible at people. That was my initial thought, yeah. but it was, um, you know, I, I wrote this for, uh, you know, people who are suicidal, people who are, uh, lost, people who gave up on religion, you mm. know, and, and cause they saw, they didn't see, really see what God is all about. Sure. Um, you know, people who, who are, uh, atheists. I mean, you know, people who are just ex- experimenting, wandering, um, anyone who's lost and, you know, to just show them, Hey, there, there is a real way. And I, I think, uh, some other interesting things I've thought about and, and just realized, you know, I think we have innately, we have a yearning yeah. that we're born with. And I always think of it as like a, like an empty hole hmm. that we're trying to fill, you, yeah. you know, and, and I've heard psychologists and people talk about this before, um, secular psychologists and different people. Sure. Uh, you know, about your drive and, you know, you're seeking fulfillment. What's the meaning of life? You know, things like that. And and right. I think that we're born with a spiritual yearning and that that's what we're all looking for. And we have these choices to make to try to find, in my opinion, to find God. And that's the only thing that can, that can fill that, that void that I think everyone has, you, you know, you may identify it differently, but, um, that was one of the things I really wanted to drive home and just try to lay it out. And, and, you know, people who look at Christianity, it usually isn't a good picture. I mean, yeah, sure. there are a lot of negative things, you know, you don't see a lot of negative aspects, yeah. but, but the point was to say, Hey, that's not really what's going on. Just, just erase that. Mm-hmm. Look at what the Bible really says and what it's really all about, you know, on a personal level, uh, a yeah. real personal level. Um, and, and yeah, it is interesting. I mean, all the judgmental aspects and the legalism, there are a lot of sure. different things going on with church. And, that, and that's why I really appreciated what, uh, you know, a lot of your, um, you know, insights hmm. and, and concepts relating to, you know, for instance, drugs, you know, so, sure. so why do we have, why do we have these opinions on these things? Well, it, it's pretty much cultural. You had the war on drugs. Yep. Um, you know, you go through the history, and now you're in a place where you think these things are bad, and you conceptualize them uh, wrongly in a yeah. lot of ways. When well, and it just, it's just that it makes yeah. you wonder about like how long convictions last. So, like, you know, back in the I I don't I can't yeah, remember what decade, true. but you're looking at like the the thirties, forties, somewhere back there, early 1900s, or, you know, early to mid 1900s, one of the biggest, most divisive topics in the church was birth control. And now that's not even really an issue. (laughs) Right. And so, and we used to have cocaine in our Coca-Cola and we used to have cannabis like sold as an herb. And then, and then it goes through prohibition or outright, like, you know, uh, laws like demand that 
things not be sold or, or even held. And then you go like, okay, so now that birth control, for instance, is this a, was that a religious conviction and it just fell away? Or was it more of a cultural conviction that we could that that kind of pushed up against our religious views and same with you know same with uh alcohol same with cannabis same with anything like you know how long is it gonna be it's just really hard for me to go i think in 300 years in america i think that our great 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 grandkids will be like wait cannabis was illegal huh because it just becomes so normal in culture and so so then in hindsight, you have to ask, like, was it ever a religious conviction or was it simply a cultural conviction that was easily moralized by religion, either pro or against, if that makes sense? No, yeah, I agree. Exactly. And, and it's interesting. None of these things are mentioned in the Bible, but right. all of these substances were around back then. They were, more, they were, I think, better understood and more extensively used. Oh, um, and, and, you know, and I thought it was great um, that you had a reference to the scientific research. I think a lot of people are now finally hearing yeah. uh, with regard to like psilocybin and some other things with psilocybin specifically and treating PTSD. Totally. Uh, or even CBD. You're like, you know, yeah, like the CBD, convictions of yeah. CBD are, are falling uh, quicker and quicker as time progresses because there's some pretty significant medical advancements using CBD. Well, it's, you know, it's like connected to marijuana. So let's talk about that. Well, we really, you know, we'll take one part of the tree, but not the other. And then I just go like, do you see how silly some of these convictions are? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like, where are we splitting lines? Is it because the Bible's told us that CBD is okay, but TH, like, no, it's just because we're forming our convictions based off what we experience in our day-to-day life. Not necessarily because we believe Jesus had a specific stance on it. Right. Yeah. And and they all have, there's a historical root cause to all these prohibitions. Each one, you know, like, uh, you you know, hemp used to be so prevalent. I I believe the constitution was written on hemp paper, but I know they used it for sales and boats. And um, I can't remember his name, but the, there was a, a cotton, magnets in the cotton industry uh like a hundred years ago or something can't think of his name right now somebody can you can look it up but uh there was a, a decorticator machine that was manufactured that could uh mass produce hemp so and hemp of course you know how quickly it grows oh yeah it would talk about eco-friendly i mean you could produce it so much faster than cutting you know using cotton or cutting down trees And when the technology came out, he tried to demonize it. Um, And that's when you had all those old movies about, you know, all the negative illicit effects of cannabis. (laughs) Basically, he basically, it was pushed because it threatened the cotton industry. Yeah. And that was why, that was when it became illegal. Cause you know, not, I was a hundred years ago, whenever it was completely legal, just like cocaine and some of these other things. That's totally. now, some are, of course, have a negative impact. I wouldn't encourage using cocaine, but, yeah, but um, sure. some of these things have, <laughs> you know, but I, mean, I think it goes to in dental offices. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's what, what we're referencing though, like is, is this sense of like, you know, our convictions are based off, um, what what forms them you know when i was living in the south we had like a banquets after church crock or uh, what are potlucks and people are you know 3500 calorie plates and they're on blood pressure medication and they're on diabetes medication and there's no conviction religiously for them on that it's just like yeah this is this is it though bible talks a lot yeah. about gluttony and some of the things that would allow that would force us into needing some of those medications and sometimes like look even there you go okay well let's split it what if you just naturally have high blood pressure can you take a chemical compound made by a pharmaceutical company is it is it okay there is it not like when is it acceptable when can we take aspirin when can we not but you have these medications and so some people's conviction is well if the doctor prescribes it well then we get into the dark side of medicine because the doctor prescribes a lot of uh, pharmaceutical um, 
medications and we know like there's an opiate crisis and we know that doctors are incentivized to push certain uh, prescriptions or certain medications. So so the, the conviction can't necessarily be if a doctor prescribes it because we know that's dirty money behind the scenes. And then you move on to, yeah, there's just so many different bases of convictions where you go, okay, well, if it's a natural substance, then it should be fine. Well, mushrooms are natural. Cannabis is natural. Like they used it as an herb. So we got to find a different, a different way to like pitch that conviction as well, or to argue that because that's kind of thrown out the window. So the basis of convictions is everyone's making their own opinions. You have a dentist that prescribes nitrous oxide, a naturally occurring gas. And we laugh at the YouTube videos of these kids who have their molars taken out and are like out of their minds crazy. And that's acceptable, but uh, mushrooms for PTSD is not by and large. And so you have to kind of really wrestle like, where are our convictions coming from? And that would be a charge that I would say to my listeners is like, you have personal truths, all of us do, and we can spend our life trying to argue and rationalize ourselves or each other out of certain personal truths, but we all have convictions that are a lot more imposed on us than simply because we have a certain lens of how we view the Bible, if that makes sense. Definitely, yeah. And, I, you know, I think there's a lot to say about open-mindedness. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's amazing how how people are so easily and readily indoctrinated and propaganda has such a, a you know significant impact i mean it, it works and people totally. go along with it the majority and you know to step back and think independently and and you know evaluate things on your own i mean i think i think our current uh i guess age or culture however you want to say it is, is basically immature with all these substances and I think there's, you know, we've been indoctrinated yeah. for specific reasons by specific people, you know, just like I was just talking about the cotton versus the hemp industry. I mean, a lot of it has that history. You know, you, you had a um, more of a social, uh, political, um, you know, motivation behind the war on drugs, you know, during the Nixon administration. That's yeah. why all that was banned. But these substances are used, you know, thousands of years ago for specific purposes. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, and that's why I use the word immature. It's, we basically aren't educated on a lot of these things and we don't know how to correctly and effectively use them. Yeah. But we've been indoctrinated to call them bad. Um, yeah. And a lot of that's ignorance and propaganda. You know, some yeah. of these things are bad potentially. Sure. But we, we have to do the research and, and understand. And, and, you know, some of these uh, treatments are much more effective at, you know, getting people off of, you know, addictive uh, tendencies and getting them off of away from alcohol and, yeah. and things of that nature. Some of these substances can wean them from harmful drugs and well, help and them the, have a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And there's certain groups that would celebrate that. Certain groups uh, would look at that as the grace of God showing like, man, thank God that there is a medicine that is a naturally occurring plant or fungus that allows us to uh, to have an easier life that allow you know what I mean? And so we look at right. it as like, well, cannabis, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, but for many, many religious sects, there are, there's a deep appreciation that our creator would give us naturally occurring remedies to some of the things that ail us. And that would be seen as a, as a grace. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, there is, we're just now discovering, uh, how effective these substances are. You know, John yeah. Hopkins started it and yep. you have a lot of research going on. I had a, um, when I was doing my master's degree, I, I had a, uh, a teacher who was the lead researcher at a Hopkins team and, you know, they, they just independently are pursuing or are pursuing, uh, you know, truths and facts and science behind these substances and they aren't being uh, influenced by the stereotypes. And yeah, I think in time, you, you, kind of what you're alluding to earlier, like what's going to make this go away? What's going to kind of wash the propaganda from people's minds? In time, I think the, the scientific research is going to do it rather than what we should have, which yep. is the knowledge and history of the use, which somehow disappeared in time. You know, we, yeah. we knew all this was used. 
we don't really know how or why or when. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just figuring it out now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty I mean, wild. Dude, yeah. I... I just want to say, like, I really appreciate you taking the time to write this book and for jumping on the show. And, you know, as we wrap up here, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, maybe the last question for you would be, um, it, yeah, and I'm going to encourage everyone to, to, to read this book. And I'm going to give uh, here at the end the ways to get in, in touch with, with Jeremy and actually get a copy of this book. But I'm kind of curious if you just have any last closing kind of uh, comments that you're like, man, if I never get to record another podcast, this is what I, I hope I can say to somebody right now. No, yeah, great. Thanks. That's a great opportunity. Um, yeah. I mean, I I think overall, think independently. And I think I think in current America, everyone picks a side and they see everything through this stringent lens. Yeah, you know, you have to do this. You, you know, you have to wear a mask or you don't wear a mask. You have to say that your your correct pronouns or you don't say your correct pronouns. Sure. And and all these things, some of them are well intended, you know, but they're tied to. Um, almost a religion of their own. You know, they're, they're tied to these political beliefs. And, you know, just step back from that, whether you're right or left or whatever you are, step back and think independently mm-hmm. and, and realize, in my opinion, um, you know, we are, um, I guess, essentially you know, made of three components, mm-hmm. the physical, psychological, and spiritual. And and so you have to pursue those things independently, and and never or and, and try to always remember not to underestimate the spiritual. Yeah. So um, you know, pursue God, pursue a significant life that isn't just gluttonous and physical or yeah. uh, indoctrinated. You know, think on your own and 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 think about what's truly significant. That's so good, man. And I will say, as somebody who the last couple of years have really taken the leap to kind of um, attempt to think for myself or to be better educated or more well-rounded or more open-minded, it's um, it's cost me quite a bit, but it also has opened up some doors that are so unbelievably beautiful that I, there's no way I could ever go back. So I, uh, I will positively affirm what you just said. Again, uh, Jeremy Downs' new book, Stumbling Toward the Sacred, An Unexpected Journey to Personally Knowing God, uh, is available um, online. You can visit his website, stumblingtowardthesacred.com, or if you want to follow him on social media, on Instagram, it's stumbling underscore toward underscore the underscore sacred. Uh, Jeremy, thanks so much for being with me on Heath of Pursuit today. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. It was great talking to you, and uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heath in Pursuit podcast. We look forward to being back with you next week. For more information on the various works of Heath Hollandsby, please visit heathinpursuit.com.